0: Thank you. Thank you. Save some for the end, please. <laughs> Raise your hand if you've discovered your passion in life. Great, because I know a lot of you right now are in college and you're thinking about what is your passion. And JMac and myself find out, found our passion in the love of basketball. And together we ran a bond that was really special. And so as I now travel the country and share ideas on how people can make their dreams come true like Jason did, I want to take you through six keys that we're going to focus in on today. And my promise today for you is to inspire you to think bigger and to give you some tools that you can implement in your life to make your dreams come true. So let's look at these six. The six are passion, which we're gonna delve into a little bit deeper in just a moment. Number two is discovering your mission in life. Number three is being an effective goal setter. Four is perseverance, what I call the never give up mindset. Five is carpe diem, which of course means seize the day. We're gonna teach you how to seize the day. And then lastly, being a team player. So those are the six we're gonna focus in on. So I'm going to take you back. The year was 2003. And a young man came into our basketball program. His name was Jason McElwain. We tagged him, J-Mac. And Jason was on the autism spectrum. He was also learning disabled. How many people know someone on the autism spectrum? Because a staggering thing, in 2003, when I met J-Mac for the first time, there was something like 1 in 150 people born in the US were on the spectrum. It's now 1 in 68, and the latest research that I've seen is it's now down to 1 in 59, so that's pretty staggering. But despite the fact that Jason was on the spectrum and he was learning to say, well, did not stop him from having a big dream, and his dream was he wanted to play in our basketball program. So he came out for our JV basketball team, and after a couple of days of tryouts, my JV coach came to me and said, Coach, Jason's not a very good player. But, man, he's got a big heart. He's got so much passion for the game of basketball. I think he would be great for our program. And I thought, because I got cut from my college basketball team after having a pretty good high school career, and I thought back and reflected. I said, you know what? I really regret that I didn't stay involved with our basketball program in college. And I thought it would be a great opportunity to give a young man a chance to be involved with us. And i got to admit, early on, despite Jason having a lot of passion Uh, His new teammates and him had to get used to each other, but because our culture had been really good in our program, I really started to see this neat bond between the players and Jason. And also, it warmed my heart dearly because Jason would come to the JV game dressed in a white shirt and black tie, and at the end of the JV game, he would be what we call a tad disheveled. And it warmed my heart to see, as he sit on the bench for the varsity as well, one of our varsity players straightening his tie and getting his shirt tucked in. And it really became a special bond. In fact, he grew on everybody that at the end of his sophomore year, my JV coach came to me and said, Coach, I'd like to get Jason to our last JV game. And he did. With about two minutes left in the last JV game, Jason gets in. You probably could have guessed from that video. Yes, the first shot he took in the JV game was a three pointer. It didn't go in, but he got fouled and he got to the goal, the foul line for three free throws. Lo and behold, he makes all three. The place explodes. So after the season, our, my coach, assistant coach, Coach Amorosa, and myself got together and said, We got to do something special for JMAC. So at the banquet, we got to make plaque, and we read it to everybody and said, "Jason J. Mac McElwain, Greece, Athena's all-time greatest free throw shooter. After all, he's three for three, 100 percent. You can't beat that." (laughs) But Jason was elated. But he had found his passion. And what I want to share with you is, you're starting your journey in life, is finding your passion. Is the question you got to ask yourself is, what do you love to do? And how can you make it a big part of your life? And you're gonna have obstacles as we continue on with this presentation that as you find things you love to do, is for example, when I grew up, I wanted to play in the NBA. As I told you, I got cut from my college team. So that dream went through. But at the same time, I found a way to stay with my passion by being a coach for over 30 years. So you gotta find different ways that you can stay with your passion because the key is when you find what you love to do, then you're, you're going to put a lot of time in it, which will make you much more attractive to the marketplace. So after Jason's sophomore year, that did not stop Jason for, because he didn't make the team. He was more bound and determined to come and make the varsity as a junior. So he came to all our off-season workouts, and the bond between him and I got very tight because I was picking him up all the time, and he was becoming very special to me. He tries out for his junior year and I bring them in after a couple days of tryouts. I said, Jason, unfortunately, you're not quite good enough to make the team. But at that point in my life, I had the key number two that you see up there is I had discovered my mission. And we're going to talk a little bit, and that's going to be one of being an educator. I've got to give you some homework, is how many here have a personal mission statement written down? OK, it looks like a couple. As I travel and, and talk to audiences, most people do not, and I could tell you that when I got clarity of what I was all about, what we call a personal mission statement, it helped me immensely in becoming a better leader, a better father, a better husband, a better teacher, all that stuff because I knew what I was all about. so our homework assignment, and we're going to give you a couple today is I want you, and I want you to share it we're going to give you my information is. This is going to take you a little time. It's not something you can figure out in 30 seconds. But you're going to answer this question. Why did God put you on this earth? Why did God put you on this earth? And with answering that question, here's a tip. Think of the things that you value most. Right now, just take a moment. What's the most important value you have? This was mine. Integrity. And I started to put together my most important values was integrity, I wanted to be a great role model, and I wanted to help others. And so my mission statement was to be an outstanding role model that makes a positive difference in the world by helping others make their dreams come true. What's yours? Because when you gain clarity, that will help you become a much more effective person and help you make your dreams come true. So as I'm telling Jason that he's not going to make the team as a junior, I said to him, Jason, I admire your passion and your drive to be with us, so I'm gonna offer you the team manager's job for the varsity. Well, he quickly embraced that. In fact, that year, he developed the mantra. And the mantra is we're gonna stay focused and help Coach Johnson win his first sectional championship. Because to give you a quick history, I had been a pretty successful coach. We had won a lot of games. We had a lot of winning seasons. We had won a number of league titles. But as a coach, you're often measured by how you do in the postseason, and there we were falling short. Our postseason tournament was called our sectional tournament. And during that, we kept losing. And we started to go a little farther. In fact, Jason's sophomore year, we had made it to the sectional semifinal, actually for the fifth time in my career, and we lost in a very close game. So Jason develops this mantra that we're going to stay focused and we're going to help Coach win his first sectional championship. We have another good season. We get to the sectional semifinals now for the sixth time, and we lose at the buzzer to our crosstown rival. We were devastated. But that wasn't going to stop J-Mac. He was more bound and determined to make the team as a senior. So again, our homework assignment is to make sure that you write out your personal mission statement well he comes back as a senior again come to all our off-season workouts and he tries out as a senior i bring him in after a few days of tryouts i said j-mac i've got some good news and some bad news he says coach give me the bad news first I said, well, unfortunately, you're not quite good enough to make the team. And this time, he was visibly disappointed. His head dropped down. You could see he was upset. I said, I have some good news. His head popped back up. He said, yeah, coach, what do you got in mind? I said, well, for senior night. He goes, I'm a senior. I said, I know. (laughs) For senior night, I'm going to give you a jersey and hopefully get you in the game. Well, he was pretty excited about that jersey idea. In fact, periodically, he would ask me about that jersey. And of course, I defined periodically as about every other day. Well, going into that season, like every season that I coached, was that our third key was how to be an effective goal setter. Okay. And in getting goals, I used to give my team a quote every day. And one of my favorite goal-setting quotes was when you think it, ink it. What do I mean? Write it down. How many of you have your goals written down? Because I think it's essential. I've done extreme studies on goal-setting, and I've found that you are 10 times more likely to make your goals come to fruition if you write your goals down consistently you come up with a plan of action and take consistent action. So with those facts in mind, this is what we did. We brought our team over after we picked our team in senior year like we did every year, and we had a goals meeting in my house. And we go, went over our expectations. We went over our mission statement. We went over our rules and regulations. And I was getting feedback from them, and I asked them, what is our team goals? And they would give me feedback, and we wrote them down. And then I taught them what I'm going to teach you right now. I taught them about individual goals, which I think is so essential as a leader that you know what your team members, their individual goals, and how do they fit into the team goals. So I gave, I showed a video to them, and I gave them some tips on how to set goals. And this is one of the things that we talked to them about, is we, what we want you to do is we want you to, to right now, tonight, I'm going to give you, right now, a 30-second timeout. In the 30-second timeout, what I want you to do is I'm actually going to extend. I'm going to give you 45 seconds. And I want you to write out your three most important goals. Now, you can do that on your phone if you don't have something to write with, or you can think right now. But you're going to, and I've got my whistle to stop you. All right, ready? And Begin. You're down to 35 seconds. The pressure is on. 20 seconds. 10. Five, four, three, two, one. How many were able to do that? Show me your hand if you were able to do that. Good, because one of my other quotes I used to give my team was, you can't hit a target you don't have. So we want you to zero in on what's most important, and here's our second homework assignment. I want you, if you did not finish your three goals, and you can add, I I really believe in life uh, balance, so I want you to have a goal in your spiritual. I want you to have a goal in the physical, I want you to have a goal in the mental, academic, we could go on, but have goals, but have clarity. And what I want you to do tonight is, I want you to get five index cards. This is what we taught our guys. And I want you to write out the first card, I want you to put in it, I am responsible. Because who's the first person you must lead? Yourself. So you've got to take charge of your life. Now, you're going to need help for others to have your goals come to fruition, but it starts with you. Number two, I want you to write, I like myself. Because I truly believe effective people and leaders, they're not arrogant, but they do care about themselves so they can care about others. Then from there, I want you to write out your three most important goals on those other three index cards. And, you, and again, you can add cards. I have a, about 10 that I do every day. And tonight, get in front of a mirror, start by saying, I am responsible, I like myself, and your three goals. And make sure you have a deadline. As I said, a goal is a dream with a deadline. And be the, write them so specific that a fourth grader could read your goals and could tell you what you're wanting to do. So we, that's what we did. We taught our players our goals. We were supposed to have a really good team, Jason's senior year, and it started well. We won our first two games in an opening tip-off tournament. But then adversity struck. And you mentioned the book here, uh, I just brought a couple copies, so I, I'm not really selling them here, but is that in the book I go over, we had a lot of internal strife. I don't have time in this presentation to share all the strife. But has anybody ever been on a team that didn't get along? Wasn't very much fun, was it? And unfortunately, even though our team was really talented, Jason, senior year, because we we're having so much strife, after starting 2-0, in our next five games, we lost three of them, and I didn't think we'd lose any of them. And we were going into this Christmas tournament. I'm from Rochester, New York, and we were going to a school called Fairport, a real big school that had a very good team, and they were hosting the tournament. And I thought we had the ability to play with them, but not the way our team was together. So, in the opening round, we won barely. And in Fairport, in the second game, won by 40 points. They beat a team that we barely beat in a week earlier by 40 points. So, the next day, we had a shoot around because it was during Christmas break, so we didn't have school. And normally, in a shoot around, we do some shooting, we go through some plays. But this day, I had to do something different. So, what I did is I sat them down and I shocked them. I looked them right in the eyes and I said, Guys, I don't want to go to the game tonight. They looked in disbelief. What do you mean you don't want to go to the game tonight? I said, well, until we iron out and become a team, we're going to lose by 50 points tonight. So after that, I gave them a couple more ideas, but then I just sat and listened, which is so important as a leader. And we started to get ideas out on how we could be more effective and work together better. And we walked out of the gym a little bit different. It didn't cure everything, but that night... We played a great game, and although we didn't win, we lost in overtime to Fairport. And it showed what we could do if we worked together, which is really important in your teams, how important it is to work together. So from there, we got on a hot streak. We won eight out of our next nine games going into senior night. Senior night was on February 15th. On February 13th, I gave Jay Mack his first jersey. It was number 52, it was way too big, he didn't care. In fact, there was a rumor going around school that he slept in it for two straight nights. I don't know if that was true, but it was a r- little wrinkle that senior night. Well, senior night for me, because I went through 30 as a head coach, was always very touching. So where we brought our seniors out, we'd bring their parents or guardians, and it was really a special night. But this night was profoundly touching. To see J Mac, instead of in his white shirt and black tie, he's now Donnie number 52. And to see him embrace his parents in uniform is a memory I will always cherish. Now, the game begins. You saw in the video, we were a really good student body following. They called themselves the Six Men. And at the opening tap, they start chanting, We want J Mac! We want J Mac! I guess just in case I forgot. But going into the game, I had three thoughts. Number one, because we had rallied in the season, if we won that game, we had a chance to tie for the league championship, so I wanted to give our team a chance to win that. Number two, although I wanted to get Jason in the game, I knew I had to get all the other players in before I could put Jason in. And thirdly, I wanted to get J-Mac in with enough time so he could score a basket. I thought if he could score a basket, that's a memory he'll have the rest of his life. At the end of three quarters, I got everybody in but J-Mac. So with just over four minutes to go, I pointed to him. He was so excited, he nearly ran right on the court. Our JV coach grabs him, brings him over to the scorer's table. Now, I'm normally a pretty macho guy. I'm not going to cry at a basketball game, right? Wrong. What happened next touched my heart and soul so deeply. When Jason entered the game, our student body gave him a standing ovation, which touched me, but what even hit me harder in the heart was one of our parents, unbeknownst to Jason and I, had made all these placards, these pictures of Jason's face, and put them on paint sticks. When Jason entered the game, they showed all those placards. Mr. Macho sat down, which I rarely did in a game, and tears are flowing down my face. I'm profoundly touched. The game now begins. Jay Max in his first varsity basketball game, he receives the ball in the right corner behind the three-point arc. He lets his first shot go. It's a three-pointer. The crowd stands in anticipation. It misses by six feet. Now, I know you're a school of faith, and I'm a person of faith, but you're not supposed to pray in the public schools, and I was praying really hard. Well, next possession which you didn't see on the video jason actually has a much shorter shot it's about 10 feet and of course i got a little drama because it might be a movie someday it hits the backboard it hits the rim and it falls off and the crowd groans and i'm thinking all right god's starting to listen we're getting closer but here's my fourth key think about that jason missed his first shot badly And we taught our players a thing called next play. And this is our fourth key, is perseverance. Is that never give up mindset. What we meant by next play is you got to learn from your mistakes. But in a game of basketball, it's quick. you got to move on. So that first shot, I think, would have stopped a lot of people. Think for yourself, how many times in your life have you quit it because you failed once? And you can't make it happen if, you're, if you don't have that perseverance. they never give up mindset. Then Jason missed his second shot. Didn't quit. Well, now he's moving on to his third shot. This time he gets the ball at the right wing. It's another three-pointer. He lets it go. Magic. The ball goes in. The place explodes, and I'm thinking to myself, God must be a basketball fan. Not only has J-Mac scored, he's got a three-pointer. It can't get any better than this, right? Wrong. For the next three minutes, J-Mac turns into his boyhood idol, Kobe Bryant. And he starts making shot after shot after shot. And the place is going crazier and crazier. And the two things I'll never forget. With about a minute to go, I'm still sitting on the bench, tears still rolling down my face, and I get a tap on my shoulder. I look behind me. It's J-Mac's mother. She's bawling her eyes out, and she gives me a big hug, and she whispers in my ear, Coach, this is the best gift you could have ever given my son. What would you have done? I cried harder. (laughs) Then I'm going to need a little audience participation. The last 10 seconds, Spencerport, our opponent that night, and I want to give kudos to their players and their coach. They were great sports. They score. Our player takes the ball out of bounds, and he normally throws it to our point guard, but this time he throws it to JMac. mac So I'm going to dribble down the court. If you can help me counting down from 10. Ready? 10. Now, you're probably thinking, Jason just went in and made a little layup, game's over. Oh, no. He shoots, he pulls up like two feet behind the the three-point line, almost an NBA three. I'm thinking, J-Mac, don't shoot from there. That's way too far. He launches this rainbow. Swish. I look over. Our student body runs on the floor. Our players run on the floor. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm living the movie Rudy. (laughs) Then Jason's parents have an interesting dynamic. His dad is six foot six, and his mom is five foot two. I see this little bitty lady bobbing and weaving through the mass of people, and she gets to JMac and she gives him a big hug. and he liked it for about five seconds, and he shrugged her off. <laughs> Then our players put Jason up on their shoulders, and he's got the game ball over his head. At this point, I have no idea how many points he has. And all of a sudden, our public address announcer comes on and says, the leading scorer for the Trojans, J-Mac, with 20 points. With my math brain, I'm thinking, if he played the whole game, he would have scored 160. (laughs) That's pretty good. And I really felt that I did it for all the right reasons. It it was right to give this young man a chance, but I had no media there. It was not done for that reason. But after the game, one of my duties was I had to call it into our local newspaper, what we call the Democrat and Chronicle. And when I called them, I shared, and it was a female sports writer, and she says, coach, Somebody called from the game, but I think I misunderstood. Your team manager got in and scored two points, right? I said, no, he scored 20. So I get home that night. My wife and son had been there. They were in shock, too. I I couldn't sleep all night. I'm thinking, J-Max couldn't get a headline in our paper. I get up the next morning. I open up the sports page, and we get a headline. But it says Trojan, our school's nickname, ties for league title. I'm like, where's about j man And it just mentioned a little bit about Jason in the article. I'm going, I guess it wasn't that big a deal. Although I got to admit, when I got to school, it was a big deal to me. And I didn't do much teaching that day. We watched that game film over and over again. And students would come up to me and say, Coach, this is going to get on ESPN. I said, ESPN? and we get a headline, the Democratic Chronicle. But I will talk more about ESPN in just a minute. So what happened was, I thought that's where it was going to end. But at school that day, Jason's speech pathologist, he had never come to a game before, but he came because Jason told him he might get in. He was so touched by the game that he called one of our local TV stations, Channel 8, and he said, you've got to come and borrow the video from the coach. This is the best thing I've ever seen in sports. They did. They showed it that night and got such a nice response locally. We had three TV stations come to school the next day. In fact, one of them said, J-Mac, can you explain what happened? He says, I was just hot as a pistol. Well, that night, one of our other sports directors called me and said, coach, This is such a powerful story. Do you mind if I send it out nationally? I said, no, if it can make an impact on the country, I think that'd be wonderful. Well, that weekend, we were going into February break, which means our students were off from school, but our players are coming back to practice next week because we start our postseason tournament that we had never won. So it's a very quiet weekend. I thought that's where it's going to end. Monday morning, I get up, and we don't have school that day, so I'm just about to ready to go to practice, and the phone rings. And it's CBS Evening News, and they normally don't call the house. They said, Coach, we've heard about the game. We want to do a story about it. I said, Sure. They come in. They do a story Thursday night, and it got such publicity that on Friday at practice, it was a pretty typical practice at Greece Athena. Before practice, we were interviewed by Good Morning America, CNN, and ESPN, then after practice, ESPN stayed for like five hours to do that little documentary I showed you. Well, my wife and I had been married 36 years. I told her I'd be home at 2 o'clock that day. I got home at 5 o'clock. I was so excited. I nearly knocked the door and I said, honey, honey, we're going to get on ESPN. She goes, ESPN, where the heck have you been? Do you realize how many people called for you? And she had all these names and numbers. She crumpled it up. She threw it at me. She says, I am not your secretary. Although I will say the next week when Oprah called the house, she did pick the phone up again. So needless to say, there was a little scrutiny. And of course, which leads me to my fifth key, which is carpe diem and that seize the day. And one of the things I was trying to figure out, because remember I told you we kept losing in our postseason tournament, and I was trying to teach our players how they could seize the day carpe diem. And one of the things that we always taught our guys, if we're gonna be outstanding, we have to be exceptional, things we can control. So we're gonna focus on two. And this was a very good learning experience for me. The first thing is work ethic. And I used to tell our players, the only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. What I realized is this, that because I was so down on myself, that I worked my players too hard in the postseason and it was draining them. So I realized that we had to work smarter. So it's not only working hard, but you gotta work smarter. But the second thing was where my really big issue was. And that was attitude. And I used to say to my players all the time, attitudes are contagious, is yours worth catching? And mine was not in the postseason. Here I was, I felt I was a pretty good role model But in the postseason, I was really, I lost my patience. I was coming down really hard in practice. If we blew a play in a game, I was letting the emotions get the best of me. And I realized if I was going to be a better leader, I had to be the rock when adversity struck. So I really made the decision in this postseason, J-Max senior year, that we are going to change that. So in our first game, we won pretty easily, so I wasn't tested. But in the semifinals... We're playing a Catholic school. Now, I'm a practicing Catholic, and I've got a dilemma because I'm not sure who's going to get to God first. But as it turned out, I thought God was listening to my prayers. We're up 10 points at halftime. Remember, I've never gotten past the semifinal game. But we blow the entire lead. We're actually losing in the fourth quarter. But this time, my attitude was different. I was more positive with my guys. I rallied them. I told them we can do this. We rallied and we actually won the game. We were going to this finals for the first time in my coaching career. Thank you. Well, the finals is three days later at a, a, a fairly decent sized arena in Rochester called the Blue Cross Arena. It seats about 11,000 people. And normally for a championship game, we'll get anywhere from three to four, maybe 5,000 people. We walk in the arena Saturday night and it's sold out. 11,000 people are there. And when I walked in, Channel 8 wants to interview me. They asked me a few questions, and I'm standing on the floor and sitting behind me is JMAC. They said, Coach, can we interview JMAC? I said, Sure. So I turned to JMAC. I said, JMAC, Channel 8 wants to interview you. He stands up. He says, Coach, it's time to get focused. No media interviews. <laughs> I thought we were ready to go. That was until the first championship game. That I ever coached, we're down 14 to 3 after four minutes. But as I told you, I changed my attitude, and this team had great perseverance. We rallied. We actually had a tie game late in the game. Our player dribbled in, he threw it out to one of our other players, he made a three. We're up three. Yeah, our opponent comes down, they shoot a shot, they miss. I'm standing like this, all of a sudden, I get tackled by my JV coach we had won the second five championship for the first time. We had done it. Thank you. And after the game, ironically, we took our team to a local restaurant, and we actually watched highlights of our game on ESPN. So that's how it came around. Well, from there, we lost in our state tournament. So that ended the season. But I want to finish my last point, which is, to be a team player. And I want to illustrate that with a couple things because uh, uh, the first thing is, in that game that Jason played in, what touched my heart so deeply was, remember we had all that strife, and I had never asked the players to pass Jason the ball. Yet in those last four minutes, Jason was the only one to shoot. In fact, I still kid him because I see him all the time. J-Mac, I'm still looking for your first assist. You shot it every time you got it. But it really, I was so proud of how those kids were willing to give up for Jason. Then, fast forward, J-Mac leaves our program, comes back a couple years later and says, Coach, I really missed the program. Can I come back and help? And I said, Sure, you can be my volunteer assistant. In the last nine years, we won more, four more sectional championships together and got to six finals. So for a small fee, I will run them out to you. But, but what we taught our players is the we over me. And I'll illustrate that with a story that happened in my second to last year of coaching. We had a really good team. Jason was on our bench, and we were actually the number two team in the state. We were really crushing teams in our area. We went to this high-end tournament. In fact, if you watch Virginia, we played Ty Jerome that is a starter for Virginia. Tonight, we played his high school team. We beat him by a point. But our team was really good. And we were 14-0 in our 15th game. Adversity struck. One of our top players drove to the basket and got fouled, and he banged in the back wall. His name was Jay, and he came up shaking his left arm. I said, Jay, are you okay? He says, I think so. He went to the foul line, and his left arm collapsed. I knew right then we were probably losing the Jay for the season. And that night it was confirmed at the hospital that Jay had broke both bones in his left arm, and he was out for the season. And I was really struggling because I didn't know how we were gonna react. But one of the things I had taken a lot of pride in is teaching our players to be leaders. And I wanna tell you, I was so proud the next day when I walked into our team meeting and our players said, coach, we've got this. We're gonna rally around Jay. And that's one of the best things you can do is rally around a bigger cause than yourself. They called it 21 strong after his number. They made t-shirts, we rallied, And I'm so proud to tell you Despite losing a terrific player that most teams couldn't overcome, we won our sectionals. We won our state quarterfinal. We won our state semifinal and got all the way to the finals and unfortunately lost in a very close game. But I, I was so proud of that team, how they rallied around adversity. And that's what you've got to do if you want to make your dreams come true, is to do that. So in coming to a close here, certainly as an educator, we got to review so we're going to go in reverse order. What was number number 6? Be a team player. Remember we over me. All right. What was number 5? Carpe diem, seize the day. Remember you got an attitude and work ethic. Be exceptional things you can control. Number 4. Perseverance, that never give up mindset. You're not going to quit the first time. You're going to find a way. Number 4. 3, excuse me. Goal setting. Goal setting. I gave you a little heads up there. All right, remember, you're going to do your index cards. I am responsible. I like myself. And the goals you're going to put on your index, you're going to read in front of a mirror. Do it in the evening and the morning. How about number three or two? Mission. Really big challenge. And again, I'm going to put my contact information. Reach out. Let me know how you're doing with your goals, how you're doing with your personal mission statement. Why did God put you on this earth? And then our last one, passion. passion. Find what you love to do. Make it a big part of your life. All right, so I want to uh, close with this. In thinking about this is that I have two quick stories. First of all, I want to give you one quick j story, goal-setting story. Jason, when he came back to me uh, about seven years ago, he said to me, Coach, I really miss being competitive. I love coaching, but I'm going to get back into running because he's a runner in high school. I said, Really? What are you going to do? He says, I'm going to run the Rochester Marathon. I said, Great. What's your goal for that? He says, I want to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Now, do we have any runners here? His qualifying time was three hours and five minutes. When he told me that, I had to sit down because that's a really fast marathon. I said, Jason, are you sure? He says, Coach, Training with Coach Shoemaker. He was our cross-country coach. He's laid out a plan. I've written my goal on my mirror. I'm going to do it. First Rochester Marathon. Runs it three hours, one minute, 46 seconds. He qualifies. Here's the crazy thing. He tells me after the race, Coach, I'm not ready for Boston. If anyone follows the Boston Marathon, the next year when he was supposed to run, he's deciding not to do it, is when they had the bombing. The next year, he runs Rochester again. Again, he's got to go under 305. This time, he runs it three hours, 46 seconds. He makes it again. So he says to me, Coach, I'm going to Boston. I said, what's your goal for Boston? He says, Coach, I'm going to break three hours. I said, Jason, Boston's a really challenging course. It's harder than Rochester. He goes, I know. I've upgraded my training. First Boston Marathon, two hours, 57 minutes, 58 seconds. That's the power of goal setting. Thank you. And I want to close with this. My final challenge to you as we talk through this presentation is that, as I mentioned to you, we have lost six times in the sectional semifinals. And I'm very close to my parents. In fact, my dad was my high school basketball coach. And after each one of those tough losses, my mom would call me the next day, and she would try to give me a pep talk. And she'd say, Jim... God must have a better plan for you. And I got to admit, when she told me that for the sixth time, I wasn't so sure mom was telling me the truth. But as it turned out, mom was a prophet. Because when we finally won that sectional championship for the first time, I was mobbed by the media. And one of the first questions the media asked me was, Coach, this is your first sectional championship. How does it compare to the J-Mac And I thought for a moment, I said, I'm really proud of my team. I'm very excited we won our sectional championship. But nothing has ever profoundly touched my heart and soul like the JMAC game. So I want to leave you with this last challenge. As you continue to pursue your own dreams, remember the best way to make your dreams come true is to help others make their dreams come true. Thanks so much for having me. God bless you.